Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stokes. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. So we all talk about success. And success is having something that is not only your responsibility to acknowledge, but as a leader, it's a whole team's responsibility. Today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, which is growing and nurturing your teams. I felt like this was an important topic, especially in today's day and age. A lot of people are unhappy in their work environment, so I thought this would be a great segue and a great topic for us to get into today. And I'm so happy to have a guest today to talk about this, and her name is Sally Arkell Boyles. Now, Sally is a high-performance coach and trainer. She has been involved in the corporate world for over 30 years. With an impressive background that includes director of an international organization, managing partner in financial services, and also an entrepreneur. I am so happy to have this person on. I've had some great conversations with her beforehand, and I am sure that you guys are all going to enjoy her. Welcome to the show, Sally. It's so great to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Looking forward to it. It's a pleasure to have you on today. How is everything going in your world, everything on my end has been a whirlwind this last month. I just got back late last night from a conference that I was invited to be a, a guest speaker at the conference for the Institute of Advanced Financial Planners. So it was the last three days nonstop from seven in the morning till late at night, <laughs> but it was awesome. It was really great to meet a whole bunch of new people and to just go back and visit some of friends in Edmonton, where I used to live at one point. And as far as the home life and whatever else is going on, weather is still good here in BC. We haven't quite hit fall yet, like some of the other provinces, but I know it's coming. And we have a 24-year-old son. He's our one and only. And he's in the film business. And he filmed some films last summer. He's a props master. And one of them is going to be in the Vancouver International Film Festival, recognized next Friday. So we get to go to one of his first premiere so it's going to be pretty exciting so that's my world right now wow that must be really exciting that's pretty cool yeah, that is very pretty cool because cool, he's only two years into the business and that was in his first year wow. and so the films from last year are now coming forward and his was selected so i was pretty proud of him i found out that they don't even name the films the real name when they're shooting them because oh. they don't want it to get out with what the film is so they put a false name on it and then when it's released it has the real name that they wanted. So there's all those little things that I never knew about the film business that I'm learning over the years. But irregardless, we're pretty excited. This is his first big premiere. And within two years of his career, pretty excited for him. All those interesting intricacies of the film industry is so interesting. And I can understand that too, especially with social media now, like things get out so fast. Something happens and years ago, it took a while for stuff to come out. But within hours, like the world knows so quick, it so is. quick for sure. Absolutely. For sure. I love that everything is going well. Uh, congratulations to your son on that uh, great mm-hmm. honor. I think that's pretty uh, pretty cool. I'm glad that uh, you guys are able to go down and watch it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It is. Going to be. <laughs> so before we begin, as I mentioned to you, I always have a fun question to get things going. Are you ready for yours? We'll find out, won't we? <laughs> yours is pretty easy. When you are... 
looking for a snack, do you prefer salty or sweet treats? Okay, so that's a complex one because I've typically always been a sweets type of person. And I love my sweets. I love my chocolate. I love that kind of thing. And that was always my go-to. But in this last year, I've been able to reset my metabolism. And so I don't crave sweets anymore, which is sad, but it's good for my waistline. But yeah, I've just been able to find a way that I could reset my metabolism so I don't have those cravings. I crave when I'm looking for something, I probably look for more salty now. So I've swung both ways this year. <laughs> Beginning of the year, it was sweet. Now it's salty. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not a big sweets person myself. I'm more of a salty. So a bag of chips or something mm-hmm. salty is probably my thing. Yeah. Every once in a blue moon, you mentioned chocolate. I feel like uh, having a little bit of chocolate, but it won't mm-hmm. even be like a whole bar. It will just be like a square. Yeah. And I'm pretty good with that, like you know, a small square. And well, I'm- you've got a lot of control. I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, yeah, I just, I can have a, and one square and I'm good for, yeah. I'm good for a bit, but everybody's awesome. different. I do know people that love to have a chocolate and they'll eat lots of it. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having fun with me. I think that that was a lot of fun and interesting to see because everybody's different as far as mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I loved your answer. Thanks so much for having fun with me. Why don't we start off with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Sure. I have had the most amazing opportunity throughout my career because throughout my career, I have been able to transfer a lot of skills from one type of business to the next. And I just see so many people that sort of pigeonhole themselves within one industry. And I've gone from being in the fashion industry where I was a menswear clothing buyer designer So I did that for my first career because that's what I studied in college. And I loved it. I got to travel the world. I got to create all these lines for the biggest retailer that there was in Canada at the time for menswear. And I got to go shopping in New York and buy a whole bunch of samples, bring them home, and then take them to my suppliers and say, I like this fabric and I like this style and that kind of thing. So that was a really creative job for me. But what I learned in that job was that it was a lot to do with finance because I was accountable for my budget. And also the sales in the store. So I started learning how to manage multi-million dollar businesses. So that was part of what my role was. So I stayed in that kind of role for quite a few years with different companies across Canada. And it was actually an opportunity that I had with a big department store that I moved from the Toronto area out to Vancouver. So that's how I initially got to BC. And then from there, the company was with went under. This, they were over 100 years old, but they went under. And so I had to pivot. So I pivoted to a couple of other companies. But then after I had my son, and it was a little bit later in my life compared to most people, because I had my son when I was 39, Mm -hmm. my one and only. Mm -hmm. I had been divorced in my early 30s, met my now husband, and he didn't have any children either. So we have our one and only. So that's why I have a little bit of pride about him. (laughs) But at the same time, I left my corporate career and decided to go out on my own because I wanted to be present with him. So I did that for a couple of years. And in the the small town I was living in, there was this big company coming to town to do technical support for clients. So I was sending everybody I knew that was techie to this company, Go Apply, and didn't even think of myself until one day I thought, maybe I should see what opportunities they have. 
And so I applied for a management role because I had always been in leadership roles and stepped into that and took over the whole training for all of their managers and leaders in the organization. So I started doing that. And within six years, I was the director of that company, managing over 1,600 people on my team. And how I did that was because I was able to bring skill sets that I had learned from leading people, but also from understanding how business works and understanding the bottom line and how customer service works and really helping to nurture and and work with my teams. And so I moved into that role pretty quickly and my income levels completely changed. Opportunities opened up for me and we were moving a lot at that time because of my husband's position. He's in the aircraft industry. So he was always moving around the country. And so that caused me to always have to leave a position and find a new one. So we ended up leaving my position, which was a higher income earning position at the time. And we went back to Ontario for his position. And he wasn't really liking being back in Ontario, where we both had grown up. And we said, okay, whoever gets a job back in BC first gets to go. So I got the job. So I actually, I I like to tell this story about how I got this job, just because I don't think people understand the impact of commitment. So I was in Ontario, applied for a job in BC, and it was with a financial services company. And before the interview that I was going to fly out to BC to come for the interview, because they invited me to their annual general meeting with all of their team, I actually stopped in at a local office, asked for an appointment with the manager there to find out about the job and what it would be like and what should I be aware of and all this kind of thing. And so they graciously shared that with me. So I did my research one-on-one with someone from one of the other financial centers with that same company. And then I flew in and I showed up at the AGM. And serendipitous events happen when you do these things. Mm -hmm. Because it so happened that one of the gentlemen, when I was at the director of that company in the small town out here in Chilliwack, was in my Rotary Club. And he was one of the advisors there Mm -hmm. and had been there for a long time. So serendipity, he then tells that leader... I know her and I know her background and I know how good she is. And so that happened. But what also happened was the local candidate that they had invited did not show up. When you make a committed decision and you choose to show up in the way that's going to make you present. So the things that I did, I applied for the position. I went and found out from somebody else in the organization, showed my interest. I showed up. Someone happened to validate who I was. Tell that person who I was. I got the job. Right. And it ended up being the highest paying position I ever created in my career. And it pivoted again to a different industry, completely different industry. Mm -hmm. And from there, I left that job at the end of 2019 and I started my own business. But I want to make sure that people understand it's okay to pivot. It's okay Mm -hmm. to take your strengths and and use those to get to that next new position. Mm -hmm. And today in my own business, I'm able to bring forward all of that skill set but also that confidence and belief in myself that I can recreate myself. So Sally, I I love your story. My first thought is that I talk about this a lot. I'm sure people have heard me talking about this so much, but I just think that it's so important. I know years ago, people would finish high school, they'd go to college, do the thing, study their course, and they would do their job. Mm -hmm. And we didn't hear about it a lot, but a lot of people probably were not happy after what they did, but they stuck with it because that's what they studied and they didn't want to rattle the cage or disappoint anybody. So they stuck with it. And nowadays I'm hearing people switching and Mm -hmm. more and more people that I talk to, which I'm I'm loving doing this podcast because I'm hearing these stories 
quite often. And a lot of them, for whatever reason was, they weren't happy. They didn't feel like it was fulfilling. I'm not a big fan of the word toxic. So I like to use unhealthy work environment. It wasn't healthy or they didn't get along with their coworker or what have you, or they didn't like the hours or something. So they decided to make a change. And nowadays people go, why did you do that? You took all this time, you spent all that money to study this. And now all of a sudden it's not what you wanted to do. And now you want to do something different. And I think it's important to realize exactly like you said, I totally agree with you. Just because you're going to something different doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to use those skills that you learned from Mm -hmm. a previous job or previous company. You're going to take a little bit of something from each one, and that's going to help you to develop yourself in your career when you move on, for sure. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that a lot of people miss. They think that once they get into a job, they have to stay and just make do. And I think when people do that, they're doing a big disservice for themselves because we all have the capacity to be able to create whatever we want in life. We don't have to settle. We settle because we have fears, we have paradigms. And those paradigms prevent us from taking that move because we think other people's opinions are more important than ours. And I know for a fact that the only opinion that matters is mine, for me. And the only opinion that matters for my husband is his opinion for him. Because at the end of the day, we are the only people that can change our future and change our destiny. And we know what we want to accept and what we don't want to accept. And I think we've all been in situations in our career where someone's just not been a good leader for us, or we just haven't really melded in with the team the way that we really want to, or people are always fighting against the system, but not taking that responsibility themselves for their future. And it's our responsibility to create the environment that we want in the workplace, regardless of where we are. So we can choose to live in the blame game that it's everybody else around us, or we can choose to take responsibility for what do I have to do to create the environment I want to create? And if it's possible, can I? And asking yourselves, am I willing to look at that? Am I willing to do that? And what would it take? And so I think that a lot of people, I've been in lots of organizations, the same thing, where they just think there's no other option for them. And they become disgruntled and they're always in HR complaining about it or they're complaining to their friends and bringing that, as you say, that word toxic, but bringing that negative energy and negative input to other people that don't even want to hear it sometimes. Mm-hmm. We've all seen those type of people that just want to spread their gossip and their feelings to other people, but other people are happy. So why would you even go down that path with them? Right. So when, when I look at that, I say, who are you in this place? And what do you need to do to make a shift to either decide that you're going to try to make a change or you're going to decide to leave? Because there's so many opportunities out there. It's just a matter of you choosing. I love all of that. And it brings us into a great segue into our conversation today. So what I'd like to know from you is in the workplace mean to you? I think that I I actually looked up, I thought, I'm just going to look up the definition of nurturing because it's a word that to me brings back parenthood, (laughs) but it's the care for and encourage the growth or development of someone or something. So the caring for and encouraging the growth. So the growth part was what I really liked because I believe that every single one of us has the ability to manage the growth that we want to achieve in our lifetime. And with growth 
comes a lot of challenges. With growth is getting past paradigms and creating a new paradigm and a new behavior. So I just want to give an example of a paradigm. So someone that might be wanting to look for that security in their job and know that they've got that nine to five job that they can go to every day and not have any risk may have a paradigm from childhood where their parents were not having stability, where they felt that insecurity, where money doesn't grow on trees. And so we can't go to Disney like your friends because dad just lost his job or something like that. So it's a paradigm that's sitting deep inside of us from when we were a child that we have to be able to break through to say, am I still that person or can I create the new version of me? Do I still want to have that paradigm holding on to me or do I want to open the door to that next stage? So for me, nurturing is really about helping others to instill belief in themselves and to understand that there is so much growth in setting new goals. And those goals shouldn't be something that you know how to achieve. They should be something that inspires you, that you have a deep desire for. You know you really want it, but you don't know how you're going to get there. Because having a plan means that if you go off of that plan, that's your excuse for not making that goal. But if you don't have a, a distinct plan, but you have a big vision, then you can follow that vision. There's lots of sayings around leadership and saying that the best leaders have a big vision and they need to get their whole team flowing toward that vision. And they don't necessarily know all the steps. They just see the vision and now they get their team excited about it. And then as they're partnering together, they'll build that excitement. So for me, nurturing in the workplace is really when you're getting your team or that individual, whoever you're working with, to believe that something can be done in a way that they haven't stepped into it before. It's a goal is all about growth. And once you've made that decision that you're going to go after something that's bigger and better or some new concept you want to bring forward to the team and you want to be able to share that, your mind will automatically begin to create ideas and I know I'm very intuitive and especially with a business because I would come to work every day in all of my jobs. I would be driving to work and all of a sudden an idea would come to me about some problem that we were trying to work on to get to some sort of goal. And I would go into whoever's office I need to go to to brainstorm on it and say, hey, what do you think about this? What if we did that? And it was that openness to being able to be creative and look for different solutions because I had a bigger vision for the team and the team had a bigger vision that I was able to tap into. So I want people to realize that you don't have to just stay in the stage where you are as far as just your bossing. Great job, Andrew. Great job, Andrew. But what? What's my great job? What did I do that made me feel like I have a great job? Mm-hmm. Or you're doing fine. That's a horrible word. What's fine mean? But what we want to do is go to Andrew and say, Andrew, oh my gosh, I noticed the results this week or I saw you working with Susan and oh my gosh, she just lit up afterwards. What was it that you were working with her on? Because she came to my office this morning and she was so excited about this idea that she had, but they knew that you were the integral part of it. So that's nurturing, in my opinion, going to somebody when you recognize something and also going to somebody when you're seeing that they're struggling and say, hey, what's going on? And how can we work together to help you to get back your passion or to get you to that next level, whatever their issue is, but helping them to see that there's still possibility, helping them to understand that you see how they're feeling and being able to nurture them to get back on track to get to those goals that the team is working toward. I love everything that you just 
packed in there. The one thing that caught my attention was the word belief. And the reason why that caught my attention is because I agree with you. I think leaders come in different aspects. So whether it be in an organization or even I would say someone who is helping us in our careers, they're leaders as well. So I believe that a lot of people, they don't have the belief. So I'll give you an example. I talk to a lot of people and they're looking for work and they're looking at a job and they'll say, oh, I'd like to work at this place, but they're looking for this and they're looking for five years of experience or they're looking for a bachelor's in this. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that. So I'm not going to apply or I don't have the experience. And we just talked about it before about taking each job and knowing that you've learned something and gained experience. Mm -hmm. I always tell them, listen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that you do have the experience. You've worked at this job and you've done this and you've done this and you've done this. And I always encourage them after you've read the job description, if you feel that you can do that job, Mm-hmm. I encourage them to apply. Yeah. And the reason why I tell them to apply is because I speak to a lot of managers now. And again, everybody's different. But a lot of managers I've spoken to have said what they look for when they're talking about the hard and soft skills, mm-hmm. they will look at the soft skills and they'll say, this person, I think, as far as their soft skills, I think they would be a great fit for our team. They're personable. They have integrity. They're loyal hardworking. Uh, they have all the soft skills, but they may not have the, the hard skills that we need. Mm-hmm. But I can train them on those hard skills. Yes. But it's harder to train the soft skills. You can train somebody to be authentic. Somebody has authenticity right away. That's a bonus. If someone's mm-hmm. genuine right away, someone's hardworking, they're loyal. Those are things that you can teach. But if somebody has those then that's a bonus. So I believe that people don't believe that they can do certain things. So when you said belief jumped out at me right away, because I believe that companies will take you and they will train you to do what they're looking for. A lot of managers will sit down with you and they will give you what their thoughts and what their expectations are of you right from the beginning. So you will know that and you will learn that and you will learn on the job. And as long as you're asking the right questions and as long as you give your all and you're showing that you are passionate about what you're doing, you're not going to love everything that you do. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're enjoying the majority of the things that you do about your job, then you have the belief. So I would say just go for it. Yeah. I was actually listening to a podcast this morning by Lewis Howes and he had a gentleman named Price Pritchard. On, who had written a book called You Squared. And I, I happened to have read that a number of different times. And it was very interesting because he was in the Navy back in the day and he had studied psychology. And so he was hired by the Pentagon to basically check out all the candidates, make sure that they were the right ones and this kind of thing. And he said, what was very interesting was one day my boss came up to me and said, oh, we've got this person and they've got all these credentials and such and such. And the boss said, what was his energy like? He said, what do you mean? He's got all these skill sets. He said, it doesn't matter. What was his energy like? How did he show up? What was his energy? What was his, basically, when I read that is, is he enthusiastic? Is he wanting to really make a difference? Is he wanting to contribute to the team? Where does he see that opportunity? 
because that is what people buy. People buy your emotion. They buy who you are as you show up. You can have every credential in the world, but be a not a team contributor. You're just in your office closing your door and not contributing. That doesn't help either. Right? I think the point that you're making is absolutely true because it's seen so often. And I did a lot of recruiting throughout my life in different careers. And I can tell you there's a lot of people out there that want a job, but they're also not willing to do what it takes for that job. And so it's easy to spot those once you've become a seasoned recruiter. But to find the one that may have the bigger passion to be able to take this job and create something out of it is what sells the employer, in my opinion. That's what my experience has been in every position I've been in where I've had to hire hundreds of people. For sure. I totally agree with you. We've been talking about getting, and I mentioned people applying for jobs and employers teaching them or training them. How does a good leader nurture and improve team performance? First of all, a good leader needs to have been a great follower before they can become a good leader. (laughs) Because you need to understand, in my opinion, what it's like to be a really good follower, to understand how to be a great leader. And so when you become a follower, which most of us have started in some way, shape, or form as a follower, then we move into the leadership roles. Because to be a, a great leader, you need to be able to inspire. You need to be able to keep your focus on a goal. You need to be able to keep the team motivated. You need to be able to make sure that you're bringing out the best in everybody in your team. And that's a real skill. It's difficult for a lot of people, but it's a real skill. And I think when you become a tight team, you notice when someone's off. You notice when someone's just not on their game. So you know that you need to have a different type of conversation because there might be something just going on at home. Or maybe mom or dad's sick and they're in the hospital and they just didn't want to say anything, but it's affected them and their family. Or who knows what's been going on. But I think a a great leader also is very attuned to that. And they also have a skill set to be able to have an open conversation without judgment. And so building that skill set to have those types of conversations so that you can support and then guide. But I've done that many times as well throughout my career. But I think also one of the biggest things is A great leader nurturing the team really knows how to make the right decisions Mm -hmm. when it comes to that team. Because we become what we think about. And as we think about that, if they're making really worthy decisions on behalf of that team, it's going to guide the team to grow even further and even further. Because once we hit one goal, we're going to strive to go to the next one, right? Because the team's already pumped and they're already ready. They've already been nurtured to that but we want to have them to continue to grow. So to me, growth is the most important piece that a leader can bring to their team because as you grow, the team grows and the success of the business grows. And some of them may outgrow the team. And that's okay because you've done an amazing job helping to nurture them. But I think it's also part of what I call the knowing doing gap. And the knowing doing gap is really, when I left corporate, I'm like, there's still something missing that I'm not catching. There's still something missing. And part of that was that, There's, I think, over $60 billion in North America spent on training people how to do their jobs, not why they get the results they get. And so we need to be, as great leaders, helping people to know how to get those results, not just being the people that say, here, because in my corporate careers, somebody else designed the curriculums and sent them out. And it was all about, this is how you do, this is the process you follow. 
but not why Sarah's getting amazing results in her sales versus Johnny who's sitting down here and says he's doing all the right things, but he's not getting those results because it comes down to more than just knowing what to do in your job. And it comes back to that desire, that enthusiasm, that ability to be able to tap into your mindset to be able to bring ideas forward and then also to tap into the team to create those results. So for me, that whole piece for that team performance comes down to the leader really leading with an open mindset, but also to really bring those other elements forward that aren't the how to do your job. Let's see how we can create the best results. I love what you said, know how to make the right moves. I think you're not going to always know the right moves because we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. However, I think that a good thing to do is if you don't know the answer, then ask. That's mm-hmm. the other thing yeah. too. So I would say if you're a leader and someone on your team asks you a question, and you don't know the answer, I would say not to answer it just to give an answer. I would just kind of have to check into it. So let me look into it mm-hmm. and I will get back to you as soon as I hear something. Mm-hmm. But at least to be communicated that even if you're waiting to hear back, communicate and say, hey, I haven't heard back anything. Just one month. I didn't forget about you. Again, as soon as I hear something, I will let you know. So I think the communication part is huge. And yeah, and also when we talked about belief, I think believing in your team members, you brought them on for a reason. So making sure that everything is good. I think check-ins are important as well. Letting them be creative and Mm -hmm. allowing them to create things and not be afraid to, because there's things that are going to go right and there's things that are going to go wrong and things that Mm -hmm. have to be fixed. But at least if they're not afraid to try stuff and then may have to go back and fix it Mm -hmm. instead of being, oh, I better not do that because and we have to fix it later and it's a lot of work to fix it. If Mm -hmm. we're not afraid to do that, I think that's good as well. Yeah. And just to to add on to that, I think a big piece of that is when you have your team in alignment to that big goal, that big vision that the team is working towards, they all come up with ideas and we need to listen and we need to talk about it as a team and we need to strategize and say, hey, what if we tried this? What would happen if? Because I think a lot of times we just say, oh, I don't think we can do that or that's going to cost us too much. No, we'll find a way. Let's find a way to try it. Because everybody has an opinion and a lot of people in teams, there's always going to be some people in teams, as you probably know, that are very quiet, mm-hmm. but they're very intuitive and intelligent, but they're afraid to bring them forward because someone before told them their, their idea wasn't worthy. And so I think that a great leader will say, let's put it all, all out on the table. Let's write them all down first and then we'll discuss them all. And let's think about which ones we want to prioritize over the others to be able to move us forward because everybody has a voice. Everybody. Some people just are afraid to bring their voice forward because they've been judged in the past or they're fearful of being judged. So we need to encourage those people, especially that don't come forward vocally like others will do to to have their voice as well, because they're deep thinkers and you can see their wheels turning (laughs) when you're in a group with them. And so allowing them to feel that comfort that it's okay, come forward, share your ideas, because we want to hear from everybody. And then let's all work together on what's our focus going to be. And that's how you truly build that team trust. That I think it's the same as when you meet a new person. The know and trust factor comes into play as a leader. The know and trust. Because no idea is a bad idea. No, absolutely. It's just an observation about what could possibly be the next step. Do you think that leaders understand the importance of nurturing their teams? Or do you find that most of them do? I think when... 
there's leaders that don't nurture their teams is because they've got a personal agenda versus a team agenda. And so as I've watched and I've trained many leaders throughout my career, and I know when you align and you create an atmosphere where people feel safe and heard, that it's easy to nurture. But when one starts to cause confrontation amongst the team or starts to divide the team, that's when leaders don't nurture their team and they start to get divided. And so it's a fine line. And oftentimes people tend to go to people that agree with them. Like leaders will tend to have the ones that agree with them versus the ones that are challenging the norm. And the ones that are challenging the norm are really opening us up to different possibilities because who wants all yes people on your team because there's no growth in that. And we don't want just one decision maker. We know if we put all of these great minds together that we can nurture more. So I think that there's definitely a lot of opportunity for the right kind of training for leaders as they move up the corporate ladder to be able to help them to understand how to nurture people, but how to actually create that know, like, and trust amongst their team so that they feel that they're heard and that their ideas are worthy of listening to and also delving into, see what we could do with it. The one key thing that I would say is that if you are a manager or a leader and you say that you don't need to learn anymore, I think that's mm -hmm. where there's going to be issues yeah. because we're always learning. And even the good leaders that I talk to and I have had or have dealt with in the past are always learning. You told me today that you just mm -hmm. came back from a conference and you were talking to leaders mm -hmm. because they want to learn. You weren't there to just shoot the breeze with them and talk yeah. about the weather. Like you were talking about different things and they were willing to listen to it and they were right. open to taking that information mm -hmm. in. And I think that is when we see growth mm -hmm. in leadership is when we understand that we're never going to say, I know everything. Mm -hmm. I know myself, I never have said that. And I never will say that I know everything. I never profess to know everything. I've always got my ears pinned and listening to listen to different people and what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And I take in all the information that I can because it's important. And yeah. the more you listen, the more you take it in, the more you learn, the better things will be mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, and I think that's part of growth, right? Part of growth is to take an interest in whatever it is that you have an interest in and become an expert at it. Because at the end of the day, you as an individual are the most powerful person in your life. So you have the power of choice. And that power of choice is that capacity for learning. Because as you're working towards that power of choice, you can create whatever you want. So if you wanted to start at this stage, say you've never played the piano before, but you said, you know what? I've always wanted to play the piano. You could start today and start learning it and be amazing in the next five to 10 years because you have a passion for it and a desire for it. So you don't have to stop yourself and say, I'm too old. I hear this all the time. I'm aging. I'm hearing from people. Oh, I'm too old. I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm too old. I don't want to learn anymore. Oh, I'm too old. You know what? There's people that are geniuses that are constantly learning right up till the day they die. And it is an amazing opportunity to be able to have the freedom to have that choice to say, I think I'm going to study this because I've always wanted to do this. So that power of choice lies within every single one of you. It lies within you to choose where do you want to focus on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a moment basis. Is there something that you can immerse yourself in to become better educated on, to take up a new passion, 
to get out in nature and climb a mountain, to do things that you've never done before. Because every time you do something you've never done before, it signals growth. And that's what we're here as human beings to do is to grow. For sure. In my Wonderful, wonderfully said. I, I love everything that you packed in there. I think everything that like you said there was great. I just loved it. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would you Well, be? I actually, when you told me that one, I thought of two words. But I think the two words both start with an I, insightful and intuitive. So I am very insightful because I've trained myself to be aware of what's going on around me and to read people. And I'm very intuitive because I allow myself to tap into source, whatever you want to call source, God intuition or the universe, because I ask myself good questions and I always get great answers. And so I become very intuitive because of that. And I had a colleague that worked with me that was also a leader in one of my organizations and she would be in a coaching session with somebody and then she'd come out and she'd talk to me about it. And I would be able to tell her exactly what was going on behind the scenes with that person because I already knew what was happening with that person intuitively and how to coach that person. And she's like, oh my gosh, you are just so intuitive. And that's just an awareness that you build, right? It's an awareness that you build to be able to understand what's behind the chitter chatter, what's behind the real issue that's happening. And so my insightfulness into what can be created in the human nature and human beings as well as my intuition are the two things that I came up with because I thought I can't put just in one. I don't know. It'd be hard to put one, but those two came immediately to me. So I trusted my intuition. No, I think those are perfect words for you. I think those fit you from our conversations that we've had previous. Those two fit you to a T for sure. I definitely agree with that. Awesome. Thank you. Any final thoughts today? Ask yourself better questions and ask yourself what's possible. If there was no barriers to what I could achieve in my life and there was no barriers onto where I could live and what I could do, what would you be doing? So ask yourself better questions because you are the solution to your future. Nobody else. No matter what anybody else tells you, no matter what your circumstance is, you are the solution to your future. And the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to be able to ask yourself better questions. And one of the best ones is, what else is possible? What if there were no limits? What could I do? Who could I be? What could I achieve? Who would I serve? How would I get back to humanity? All of those types of questions open you up to possibility. And that's where you're going to start to really live your life on purpose and with joy. I love that. I love all of that. I really enjoyed this conversation. I thought it was informative. So I want to take the time to thank you for coming on today. It was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I don't know many people that I would have liked to have had this conversation with. You're on the top of my list. So I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming on today for sure. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. On behalf of myself and my guest today, Sally, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Until next time, be safe. And remember, if we all work together, we can accomplish You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 